Today is Wednesday, January the 24th. Welcome to the award-winning Personal Computer Show. The Personal Computer Show is on PRN.live at the scheduled time of 6 p.m. Eastern Time. There was an operational error, and for the past couple of shows, it was heard at 7 p.m. If you miss any past show, you can download a podcast of the program from PRN.live. I'm Hank Key. And do you know who has your personal data? Do you know how big tech companies are using your personal data? We have been bringing computer industry news, hardware and software reviews, guest interviews, and news of user group meetings for the past 40 years. The Personal Computer Show is a three-time winner of the prestigious National Computer Press Awards. The Personal Computer Show had for many years been a call-in talk show. The pandemic-causing studio lockdown has altered our format. The listener call-in format enabled us to know what technology issues were on the minds of the listeners. Our only advocacies are consumerism and the First Amendment. I welcome you, the listeners, to provide feedback as to what you want to hear. Address your suggestions to hank at pcradioshow.org. Our website is pcradioshow.org. We are heard each Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Progressive Radio Network. That's www.prn.live, that's L-I-V-E, streaming on the Internet. Podcasts of the program is available on prn.live on the Internet. You can leave us a message with your question or comment at hank at pcradioshow.org. Solid-state drives pricing will sharply rise on flash shortages. Solid-state drives pricing to skyrocket as flash shortages are already underway. Critical NAND packages are already in short supply, and high-capacity solid-state drives models will be first to see price hikes. Consumer solid-state drives will get substantially more expensive soon. The price of higher-capacity consumer solid-state drives will skyrocket this quarter as NAND packages consisting of 4 and 8 NAND devices are already in short supply. Some price upticks are starting to show in retail already, but sudden shortages of critical 4 and 8 die NAND packages will spur more significant price increases expect to hit later in the quarter. A single-sided solid-state drive in an M.2-2280 form factor can carry four 3D NAND packages. Modern 2TB and 4TB drives in this form factor tend to use packages consisting of four or eight 3D NAND devices to ensure high performance. There is already a shortage of these packages today as solid-state drive makers are struggling to find adequate supply. Some suppliers are already raising their quotes, which will affect solid-state drive prices with the shortages filtering down as higher pricing for end users over the coming months. It may take two to three months before the full impact of the NAND package shortages works its way into the supply chain when pricing for some of the best 2TB and 4TB solid-state drives is set to skyrocket. There are several reasons why the supply of higher-capacity 3D NAND packages may be limited. On the one hand, makers of 3D NAND have cut memory production in recent quarters due to low demand and said they would slow down the transition to nodes that enable higher bit densities. 
This greatly reduces the amount of flash capacity supplied to the market. Furthermore, as reported by TrendForce, some buyers are increasing their purchases despite a low demand season in the first quarter of 2024, leading to a rise in 3D NAND contract prices by 15 to 20 percent. This increase is a response to suppliers' strategies to minimize losses and manufacturers' aggressive price hikes, with future price trends depending on enterprise solid-state drive procurement. The market for consumer solid-state drives, particularly among PC OEMs, is reaching a peak in purchasing, driven by the growing adoption of PCIe 4.0 solid-state drives. In response to this demand and the need to balance their books, suppliers are raising prices for PCIe 4.0 products. The report says that this trend is expected to result in 15 to 20% jump in PC client solid-state drive contract prices. The acceptance of these new rates is more likely among notebook makers. Meanwhile, some of the popular solid-state drives have increased in the last several weeks. By contrast, the enterprise solid-state drive market shows a different dynamic. While demand from North American cloud service providers remains tepid, Chinese cloud service providers and server brands are offsetting this, keeping the market robust. This activity combined with a supplies firm pricing strategy is anticipated to propel enterprise solid-state drive contract prices by about 18 to 23% for the quarter. The Federal Trade Commission bans TurboTax from advertising free services. Cause it deceptive. The Federal Trade Commission ruled in a final order and opinion Monday that TurboTax, the popular tax filing software, engage in deceptive advertising and ban the company from advertising its services for free unless it is free for all customers. The agency said by running ads for free tax services that many customers were not qualified for, the tax filing software violated the FTC Act and deceived consumers. The FTC had first sued Intuit, TurboTax's owner, for its deceptive advertising in 2022. The FTC staff alleged most tax filers couldn't use the company's free services, such as those who get a 1099 form for work in the gig economy or those who work and earn farm income. TurboTax advertising their products as free misled these customers, according to the FTC. The FTC Administrative Law Judge D. Michael Chappelle announced the initial decision in September, which the Commission upheld on Monday. Intuit had appealed to the FTC as part of the process. In a statement Monday, Intuit said it has appealed this deeply flawed decision to Federal Circuit Court outside of the FTC. And Intuit's spokesperson said, absolutely no one should be surprised that FTC commissioners who are employers of the FTC ruled in favor of the FTC as they have done in every appeal for the last two decades. This decision is the result of a biased and broken system where the commission serves as accuser, judge, jury, and then appellate judge all in the same case. Intuit cannot advertise or market any goods or services as free unless it's free for all customers, the FTC ordered. 
it could also clearly disclose the percentage of customers that actually do qualify for the free service, somewhere close to the free claim advertised, the commission said. The FTC added if the service isn't actually free for the majority of consumers, TurboTax could state that as well. The FTC ordered Intuit to disclose clearly and conspicuously all the terms, conditions, and obligations that are required in order to obtain the free good or service. The order also prohibits Intuit from misrepresenting any material facts about its products or services such as the price, refund policies, or consumers' ability to claim a tax credit or deduction or to file their taxes online accurately without using TurboTax's paid service, the release from the FTC said. Last May, roughly 4.4 million people were to receive checks from TurboTax. Following a 50-state settlement with parent company Intuit for allegedly steering millions of low-income Americans away from free tax filing services. The investigation opened after a 2019 ProPublica report that accused the company of steering eligible clients away from federally supported tax filing products by making them difficult to find in web searches, instead directing them towards the paid version of the company's filing services. Most customers will get about $30, with some customers that use TurboTax for three consecutive years getting up to $85. A website has been set up for more information. TurboTax's predatory and deceptive marketing cheated millions of low-income Americans who were trying to fulfill their legal duties to file their taxes, said New York Attorney General Letitia James in a May 4, 2023 press release. Today, we are righting that wrong and putting money back into the pockets of hard-working taxpayers who should have never paid to file their taxes. Apple released iOS 17.3. It is a major update to the iOS operating system for iPhone and iPad devices. It introduced several new features and enhancements, including stolen device protection. Stolen device protection is a new feature that helps protect your online accounts if your device is stolen. It utilizes Face ID and Touch ID to secure your accounts and prevent unauthorized access, a feature that helps protect your device from theft by preventing it from being reset without your Apple ID password. iOS 7.3 is compatible with all iPhones that can run iOS 17. This includes all iPhone models from 2018 onwards, such as iPhone XS, XR, 11, 12, 13, 14, and the latest iPhone 15 series. In addition to stolen device protection, iOS 17.3 include other bug fixes, performance improvements, and enhancements. iOS 17.3 added collaborative playlists in Apple Music, which were originally planned for iOS 17. Collaborative playlists allow multiple users to add and edit songs in a shared playlist. The autocorrect feature has been updated to be more accurate and helpful. Then we have no more Hey for Siri activation. You can now activate Siri without saying Hey Siri by pressing and holding the side button on your iPhone. When you charge your iPhone on its side, 
it enters standby mode, which displays useful information such as the time, weather, and battery level. You can now share your AirTags and AirPods with family members and friends. It is important to keep your device up to date with the latest software updates to ensure the best performance, security, and access to new features. To update your device, follow the standard update process through the Settings app on your iPhone or iPad. Amazon looks to launch a paid version of Alexa. Business Insider reported Amazon is working on a more conversational and personalized version of its Alexa voice assistant that it plans to offer through a paid subscription plan starting later this year. Amazon is testing the voice technology behind the new potential paid tier with 15,000 customers, according to the report, which cited Amazon internal documents and unnamed sources. The testing has hit snags, however, including Alexa giving inaccurate or unnecessary long responses. Amazon has experimented with charging for different Alexa features in the past, but has struggled to find a sustainable business model for the voice assistant. Amazon Devices and Services Division, which houses Alexa and other businesses like Zook's self-driving cars and Ring Home security devices, has gone through multiple rounds of cuts since 2022, including several hundred layoffs in November. The company has reportedly been working on testing the voice technology for the Plus version of the assistant with around 15,000 external customers. However, so far, the quality of Alexa's answers has fallen short of the team's expectations. Specifically, the assistant gives unnecessary long or inaccurate responses and struggles with tasks that require operating several services at once. For instance, turning the lights and music off at once. This is not the first time we've heard about the possibility of a paid version of a virtual assistant. During an interview with Bloomberg in September, outgoing Amazon executive David Limp said the company was thinking about a subscription model for Alexa. Amazon currently plans to launch the paid version of the assistant on June the 30th. However, if difficulties persist, that date might get moved back. Alexa Plus would offer more AI capabilities than the free version of the assistant. Business Insider reports citing people familiar with the matter. Apple might have sold up to 180,000 Vision Pro headsets over pre-order weekend. Figures suggest that this is still a very niche product. And what is the Apple Vision Pro headset? It is a mixed reality headset that combines virtual and augmented reality capabilities. It is also referred to as a spatial computing device by Apple. The headset allows users to have an infinite canvas to arrange and scale apps, browse the web, create to-do lists, and seamlessly move between different applications. The Vision Pro features twin 4K displays inside the headset, providing high-quality HDR picture quality. It is designed to transform how people work, collaborate, connect, relive memories, and enjoy entertainment. The design of the Vision Pro resembles a pair of high-end ski goggles featuring a laminated glass front, 
attached to a curved aluminum alloy frame. The frame connects magnetically to a light seal that sits on the face, providing a tight fit to block out light and ensure proper operation of a headset. Apple offers light seals in different sizes and shapes to fit individual face shapes. The Apple Vision Pro was announced by Apple in June of 2023 and is the first major new product released by the company since the Apple Watch in 2015. Pre-orders for the Vision Pro began on January 19th of this year, and the price of the Vision Pro is $3,500 in the United States, with availability in other countries to follow. Apple's $3,500 Vision Pro isn't for everyone, and indeed, the latest pre-order estimates reflect a slow start for this virtual reality spatial computing device. According to calculations based on pre-order inventory and shipping time, it is estimated the company sold somewhere between 160,000 to 180,000 Vision Pro headsets during this past weekend. This already exceeds earlier production figures of 60,000 to 80,000 units, targeting the initial release on February the 2nd, which is no wonder that the Vision Pro was sold out immediately after pre-orders opened. While this sounds like positive news, an analyst pointed out that with shipping times remaining unchanged within the first 48 hours, this might indicate a quick drop in demand after the heavy users and hardcore fans were done pre-ordering. In contrast, if iPhone orders would usually see a steady increase in shipping times 24 to 48 hours after pre-order opens, but of course the Vision Pro isn't meant for the average consumer in its current state especially given the lack of some mainstream apps like YouTube, Spotify, and Netflix, not to mention the eye-watering $3,500 base price, though Apple may later release a cheaper version in the ballpark of $1,500 to $2,500, according to an earlier report. Even with the device being sold out based on the upper initial production figures of 80,000 units, that only accounts for about 0.007% of Apple's 1.2 billion active users, which makes the Vision Pro a very, very niche product in the eyes of Cupertino. That is to say, the tech giant will need to somehow drum up and sustain demand for the headset before its global launch, which is rumored to take place sometime before this year's Apple Worldwide Developer Conference, which is the WWDC, which likely will take place in June. Meanwhile, Apple is also busy setting up demo areas at its U.S. flagship stores in the hopes of making a few more sales with their 20-minute sessions. At $3,500 for the headset, I don't know how many people would really be interested in coming up with that money. Google News is boosting garbage AI-generated articles. 404 Media is an independent media company reviewed multiple examples of AI ripoffs making their way into Google News. Google said it doesn't focus on how an article is produced, by an AI or human, opening the way for more AI-generated articles. AI-generated news articles have the potential to be biased. One of the key ethical considerations of AI-generated news articles is the risk of bias. AI algorithms are only as objective as the data they are trained on. If the data used to train the algorithm is biased or inaccurate, 
Of course, the resulting news coverage may also be biased or inaccurate. Bias can be introduced into the data through how it is collected or selected for use. For example, oversampling certain neighborhoods in criminal justice models because they are over-policed can result in recording more crime, which leads to more policing. User-generated data can also contribute to bias. Additionally, AI-generated news articles can spread misinformation if the data they are trained on is inaccurate or if they are manipulated for political or other purposes. Google News is boosting sites that rip off other outlets by using AI to rapidly churn out content, 404 Media has found. Google told 404 Media that although it tries to address spam on Google News, the company ultimately does not focus on whether a news article was written by an AI or a human, opening the way for more AI-generated content making its way onto Google News. The presence of AI-generated content on Google News signals two things. First, the black box nature of Google News, with entry into Google News rankings in the first place an opaque but apparently gameable system. Second is how Google may not be ready for moderating its news service in the age of consumer access AI, where essentially anyone is able to churn out a mass of content with little to no regard for its quality or originality. From my perspective, I want to read the original articles written by journalists who actually research them. Google News is a news aggregator that collects and displays news stories from various sources. It is important to note that Google News does not create its own content, but rather aggregates news from various sources. The trustworthiness of the news on Google News depends on the trustworthiness of the sources it aggregates. It is important to be aware of the potential for bias in any news source, including Google News, to ensure that you're getting accurate and unbiased news. It is recommended that you read news from a variety of sources and compare the information presented. Some of the most trustworthy news sources include the Associated Press News and the BBC. Americans are more polarized than ever. You see it in the news and on your social media feeds every day. Bias is natural, but hidden bias and fake news misleads and divides us. News media, social media, and search engines have become so biased, politicized, and personalized that we are often stuck inside filter bubbles where we're only exposed to information and ideas we already agreed with. When bias is hidden and we see only facts, information, and opinions that confirm our existing beliefs, a number of negative things happen. One, we become extremely polarized as a nation as we misunderstand or hate the other side, believing that they are extreme, hateful, or evil. Two, we become more likely to be manipulated into thinking, voting, or behaving a certain way. Three, we become more limited in our ability to understand others, problem solve, and compromise. And lastly, we become unable to find the truth. Cost-cutting in cable TV and subscription video on demand. Cable TV companies have lost over 2.7 million subscribers in the first half of 2023 alone. 
The report also states that cable TV companies are losing about 15,000 subscribers every single day in 2023. The trend of cord cutting is responsible for leading cable TV providers to lose millions of customers they can't seem to win back. In fact, traditional pay TV providers lost around 6 million pay TV subscribers each year from 2019 to 2022. A report by Zipia states that the number of cable TV subscribers is expected to fall from 71 million to 56 million between 2020 and 2025. Another report by CNBC suggests that at least three large U.S. media companies expect the number of U.S. households that subscribe to a traditional pay TV bundle to fall to about 50 million in the next five years. These reports suggest that the trend of cord cutting is likely to continue in the coming years, leading to a decline in cable TV subscriptions. While these reports suggest that the trend of cord cutting is likely to continue in the coming years, it is difficult to predict when cable TV subscriptions may cease altogether. However, a report by the Diffusion Group estimates that by 2030, the traditional pay TV market, think cable and satellite TV, will have shrunk by 26%, leaving only 6% of households subscribing to traditional pay TV. According to a report by Cord Cutters News, Spectrum is phasing out the ubiquitous cable box and replacing it with a coaster-sized device called the Zuma Streambox, which allows customers to stream the cable channels they have until now received through clunky cable set-top boxes. This change is expected to be implemented for new customers, while current Spectrum TV customers can keep their cable boxes if they want The number of streaming options continues to proliferate. According to Flix, there are now over 200 streaming providers worldwide. In 2021, Deloitte estimates that in the United States, there is about 80% of U.S. households that had at least one subscription video on-demand provider. Lichtman Research Group found 78% of all U.S. households have a subscription video-on-demand service from at least one of the three most established providers. Subscription video-on-demand has become a commodity in tens of millions of households. Subscription video-on-demand is also facing similar challenges of cable TV as prices have risen. Streaming services are removing some movies and shows due to cost-cutting measures. This is because studios are seeking to reduce residual payments and licensing fees. Wall Street has also turned up the heat on media companies, now focusing on if and and when streaming will be profitable versus if they're putting up big subscriber numbers. As a result, streamers are being strategic about what content stays on their platforms and what content leaves. If you're looking to cut costs on your streaming services, you're not alone. According to a recent survey, only 5% of subscription video-on-demand buyers are open to adding a new subscription service. If you're looking to save money, consider canceling subscriptions to services you don't use frequently. If you're looking to cut cord on cable TV, you're not alone either. Cutting cable TV can save you money every month and provides more freedom to pay for the TV programs you actually watch. According to a recent report, 
the average cost of cable TV packages is now about $218 a month in the United States as of 2022. That means cord cutters save, on average, even with all those services, about $91. That works out to be an average saving of over $1,000 versus paying for cable TV. Much of the growth has been fueled by the content. A study from Hub Entertainment Research found about one-third of the streaming video subscribers had signed up for a service for just one show or movie that was unavailable anywhere else. This consumer behavior mirrors the premium pay cable industry. For example, despite producing some of the most iconic programming in the past 25 years, the household penetration of HBO subscribers never approached 50%. Subscriptions fluctuated based on the airing of popular limited series programs, such as The Sopranos or Game of Thrones. Clearly, viewers have shown a proclivity not to pay for a service they don't use. This puts pressure on subscription video on demand to find the next big hit as soon as possible. Another example of viewers canceling their subscriptions for lack of use is basic cable. According to Nielsen, in 2008, the average number of TV channels available in a household was 129. Five years later, the number grew to 189 channels. Despite the substantial increase in channels available, the number of channels actually viewed per household each week remained at 17. This is a primary reason that media conglomerates bundle their networks when negotiating subscriber fees with cable operators. As prices continued to escalate and other viewing options became available, subscribers eventually balked at paying for channels they never watch, leading to cord cutting. At present, if you only have a few programs or just a few channels you view, but you have to subscribe to the whole bundle, the bundle channels will cost more than an a la carte selection. We, the consumer, have been paying for channel services that we never used nor wanted. Presenting the IT Pro Series with Benjamin Rockwell. This is Benjamin Rockwell, and now it's time to get to Down to Business. This is where we talk about computers, the workplace, and how they I- intertwine and impact all of Okay, so I'm not talking about computers this time. We are at the last of a four-part series in regards to quiet quitting, quiet firing, loud quitting, and today we'll talk about quiet hiring. Each of these are different buzzwords that have been going around, and they have additional variations on these buzzwords, and it it doesn't matter. It's the core concepts that we're dealing with here, and I want to spend just a few minutes giving you an idea of what they are, how to deal with them, both on the employer and employee side, and uh, how we can all progress forward with a better workplace. And one of the areas which really leaves a lot more excitement for me than the rest of them. I'm quite quite quitting and loud quitting. Those are both, they can be negative. They can be drags on the workplace. Quiet firing. It can, it can be unintentional or it can be intentional. And I'm really mostly referring to that, that quiet firing. And that can be a drag, but the exciting one is quiet hiring. It is a benefit in disguise for for everybody. It's finding the right place 
for who you have in the company. And there are companies that work so hard for these ideals. They work to find the right spot to right size the employee to a to a piece in the puzzle that makes the company better. This involves a shifting of priorities. It it's finding that right place where the worker can shine. So we're talking about cross-training or actually even better than cross-training. It is, hey, we're going to send you to training. We're going to give you training in a place where you have little to no experience. And that might actually be, you know what? Hey, you over there, you're doing this and it's very similar to that. We're going to give you training in in that, that, that new direction. Yes, that means that we're going to pull you away from over here and we're going to give you a chance to go into a role that we're building within the company. And we can fill this position, our need here, by having you work a few hours a week or even half of your week over here instead of over there. We, we move people around. We move these, these pieces, these puzzle pieces around, much like a chess game. And uh, yes, there is some challenge in that. But one of the tricks with this quiet hiring, it, where you're filling a position rather than hiring from outside, you're building somebody up. You need to be prepared if they don't work out to be able to say, look, we're going to put you back where you were. But we'll find it. We'll find something in a different direction later. You have to. I mean, this is a lot of juggling. This is this is, again, just like like chess games. And there is an upside to this cross training. You know, a lot of people hear cross training. Oh, they're cross training so that they can get rid of me. No, that that is that is something that some companies do. They they have everybody learn your position so that they can shuffle you out the door. Don't get me wrong. That exists, but more often than not, if you're ready to be shuffled out the door, they, they're they willing to say, he's expendable. We'll figure out whatever it is we have to pick up later. Look, there is always an upside to learning more. If you're cross-trained, if you learn something in your cross-training you know, it's 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 a back and forth. You're teaching somebody, and then someday they'll teach you something. Well, if you can put that new something on your resume, that's great. It also helps you internally to the company because you are finding more ways to be of value to the company. There are people who know one thing. They may know it really well, and they can do it all day and all night, and fine. But what's better? Somebody who knows, oh, I, I, I can move Jonathan over there. I can move Jonathan into role A, role B, role C, role D. He is of value because I can put him wherever he's at, and he can shine in any of those positions, or even better yet, <laughs> for those of you who don't think you shine, I can find somebody who can move back and forth between these positions and fill some of those roles. They don't shine, but they work hard enough to get the job done. They know enough to get everything done. 
See, it works either way. It works. You don't have to be absolutely the best person in that role to find out that, hey, we're going to move you into this role because you know all of these other roles. I've seen this. I've seen coworkers who know, they know this broad spectrum of all kinds of different things. And they because they know all of these different areas, they become more of a value to the company than just by knowing the one area. Hopefully along the way, as an employee, you'll earn more money for what you do. And yes, you may find a better work-life balance. That's the downside for employers. Make sure that if you shift somebody around, that you still look at how many hours they're doing. They're not taking on more hours or more responsibility with, with more cash. But at least they're moving around and being balanced across the board. If that makes sense, great. If not, look into it. This is Benjamin Rockwell. Back to you, Hank. Thank you, Benjamin. Windows 12 or Windows AI will be a game changer. Microsoft hasn't officially announced Windows 12. However... It's a safe bet the Redmond-based tech giant will eventually release a follow-up to Windows 11. While there's no definitive word yet on the status of Windows 12, rumors surrounding the expected operating system update have persisted for the past year. If what we've heard is true, Windows 12 could offer a substantial update for the best Windows laptop and best computers running the operating system. Given all the money Microsoft has invested in the technology, an emphasis on generative AI is expected. But we've also heard about possible quality of life updates for Windows 12 that could make the software more user-friendly. Generative AI-driven programs like Copilot will be an integral part of Windows 12. Microsoft invested $10 billion into OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT. With Microsoft having integrated ChatGPT with Windows Copilot, which is the rebranded Bing with ChatGPT, the company will go further and use this technology in Windows 12. A recent report hinted that Microsoft could rely a lot more on machine learning to better provide context-sensitive information and assistance when carrying out everyday computing tasks in Windows 12. There could be potential updates for Windows 12 to add more smart features to the operating system. Whatever Microsoft does with AI technology, it'll need to be more useful than its virtual assistant, Cortana, which was originally a core part of Windows 10. Cortana didn't win over users and end up being somewhat divested into an app rather than a main feature in the start menu. The integration of Copilot could be a lot more useful especially with its ability to better understand questions posed in natural conversational language. On a related note, Intel is set to debut its new Intel Core Ultra chips, which pack an NPU, or Neural Processing Unit, to handle AI-focused workloads. A recent report claims Windows 12 could launch in June of this year, but because of the timing, an AI-friendly Windows 12 will no doubt utilize the NPU of the Intel Core Ultra, or Qualcomm Snapdragon X Elite chips. This will force a major change for new PCs. 
If you are currently using Windows 10, a migration to Windows 11 at this time would not be logical. Newer generations of computers are expected to be AI PCs, and several suppliers have been preparing new products with high-powered specifications that match those industry promises. Recent news indicate that Microsoft plans to increase the minimum specifications for its upcoming Windows 12 operating system, which is expected to be released in 2024. According to a report by industry analyst TrendForce, the tech company will up the base memory requirement on Windows 12 to 16 gigabytes in accordance with its standard for running its AI Assistant Copilot at minimum efficiency. It is recommended that if there is an immediate need to purchase a PC, buy what's available today. But if the decision can be delayed, wait for the release of the PCs with the NPU. Microsoft is continuing to add new features to Windows 10, despite the company's previous announcement that the operating system was in a feature freeze. The latest Windows 10 preview build includes a new feature that was previously only available in Windows 11, a richer weather experience on the lock screen, which includes dynamic interactive weather updates. In addition to this, Microsoft has released its first update of 2024 for Windows 10, which includes security enhancements and bug fixes. Remember when Microsoft said Windows 10 wouldn't get any more features and was effectively on ice? With the exception of minor tweaks, well, the reverse of that policy is clear enough now, as another inbound feature for Windows 11 is also coming to its predecessor operating system. This is no big deal as a feature, but nonetheless it is a new piece of functionality and not a minor tweak. Of course, the other addition since Microsoft announced that feature freeze for Windows 10 was the introduction of Copilot, and you couldn't get a more major move than that. When Copilot was announced for Windows 10, Microsoft did say it was revisiting its decision to halt features for the older operating system and planned to make additional investments in the operating system. It appears this is happening then, and we can likely expect further features to be bolted on to Windows 10 as 2024 rolls onwards. Microsoft will be reopening the Windows 10 beta channel for testers, which is a clear suggestion that more features will be on the way for the operating system, as they'll need to go through a full testing process. If Windows 12 or Windows AI requires a neural processing unit, this means the install base of PCs will need to be replaced. This is not going to happen overnight, when all support for Windows 10 ends. Microsoft recognizing this, it is now releasing update features to Windows 10. What is a Neural Processing Unit? NPU stands for Neural Processing Unit. An NPU is an AI chip that performs AI tasks faster than GPUs and CPUs. This reduces some of the load on GPUs and CPUs so a computer can work more efficiently when performing AI tasks. The NPU is a dedicated processor or processing unit on a larger system on a chip designed specifically for accelerating neural network operations and AI tasks. It is not a part of the CPU, which is responsible for executing instructions of a computer program. The NPU is optimized for data-driven 
parallel computing, making it highly efficient at processing massive multimedia data like videos and images and processing data for neural networks. It is particularly adept at handling AI-related tasks such as speech recognition, background blurring in video calls, and photo or video editing processes like object detection. NPUs are integrated circuits, but they differ from single-function ASICs, which is application-specific integrated circuits, while ASICs are designed for a singular purpose such as mining Bitcoin, NPUs offer more complexity and flexibility, catering to the diverse demands of network computing. They achieve this through specialized programming in software or hardware, tailored to the unique requirements of neural network computations. For most consumer products, the NPU will actually be integrated into the main CPU, as in the Intel Core and Core Ultra series, or the new AMD Ryzen 8040 series laptop processors. At larger data centers or more specialized industrial operations, though, the NPU might be an entirely discrete processor on the motherboard, separate from any other processing units. Presenting Technology Chatter with Benjamin Rockwell and Marty Winston. Whatever they are, this is this is a place for educating people. We we do cover a lot of different things on the show, and we want to keep you informed. Well, Marty, we should tell we should tell listeners we've closed the telepathy line. It stopped working. Yes, Marty Winston joins me now, and Marty, what do you have for us this week? Well, this time it's a buyer beware. Uh, there's an Australian company named Loose Cannon. That launched okay. a hockey puck size wearable they call Milo, the action communicator. Uh, think uh, about uh, uh, walkie talkies. Okay. Right, that let everybody on the channel talk at the same time, and anybody within range, 2,000 feet or so, can hear everybody who's talking. So it's full duplex. Okay. Both ways. All right. Both at once. Nobody has to say over. It's a party line walkie talkie that also relays or hopscotches signals and like a mesh in a kind of a messy mesh arrangement. Okay. So it does a little noise reduction, lets you work through earbuds. They want people who ride or surf or ski, and this is straight from their homepage, it's posited as a safety accessory. So if there are... I'm sorry, hold on, let let me go back here. You're talking 2,000 feet, so half a mile. Uh, less, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm rounding up. Yeah. Yes, you are. You're being very generous. Okay. And that's well, that, that's in the clear, two thousand feet. Any obstruction? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Go on. Radio, right? Yeah. Sorry. Um, so, if there are two or more of you who think an action communicator is a good idea, it's something over two hundred and fifty dollars each to what? own a Milo. <laughs> now that's for. Uh, so yeah. are, who are they? I mean, are they competing against what, like the FRS and the GMRS walkie-talkies? Is that what, oh, what yeah, they think those, they're doing? Those are good for a bit farther. They'll, they'll get they'll yeah, seven that. to yeah. ten miles, depending on yeah. the channel and coverage and all that. Yeah, okay, go on. Now, so the, the $250 each for signaling across 2,000 feet or so, that's about the same range as shouting. Yeah. You can literally yell for help and, and get a better response. Yeah. Now, one way to ask for help over an even longer range is a whistle. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. Amazon has a lot of good choices for two and a half dollars to five dollars. And yeah. if you don't like the idea of paying 50 to 100 times more for Milo, these whistles don't make you babysit any batteries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. yeah. Now, if you prefer a walkie-talkie, Amazon has some much longer-range FRS products for less than twenty bucks each. Yeah, uh, let me let me. I mean, we we've, we've got plenty of time. Uh, let me yeah. redirect on this because because I'm thinking back through through my life, and it, it, one of the things that that I actually I, I regret that I never chased after learning ham radio. I mean, years ago, I I knew all of the tech stuff to get my amateur. And you Radio hated Morse license. code, right? I'm sorry? You hated Morse code. You didn't want to do the Morse code. I couldn't understand the Morse code. I struggled so hard. And at that time, you had to get uh, whatever it was. Five minutes. Uh, five words a minute. And And yeah, I, I, uh, by the way, I was up to about two. WB8LBV, Wedding Bells 8, Lover Boy Verified. That, that's, that's your... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I made tech and then I resigned. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I know that the equipment that's available, I mean, at, at 250 a piece, that's already 500. That is, that is more expensive than going on out and, you know, husband and wife or probably yeah. even a husband and a few kids going and getting each of them their own. Uh, or CB uh, or the ham radio. Or their own ham radio. Well, taking the class. Getting the the ham radio <laughs> license and getting the ham radios. Yeah. What are these guys thinking? Uh, well. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess they they're, think, they're they're thinking with our uh, with our they're thinking, they're thinking about image, you know, and you know, and no matter how rugged and outdoorsy your self image may be, you know, the Milo pitch may not be your best alternative, and it is a long way out distanced by a whistle in its safety per dollar available. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it just all the way around. I'm, I'm thinking this. I mean, you already, I mean, we, you already opened. It's a buyer beware segment. Yeah, it, it, it is. Milo, you know, how glamorous is it to be walking up a mountain and calling for help, and your neighbor hears you because he's within a thousand feet? What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm out here in the gorge. The, the only <laughs> thing I, I would say, the only thing that that kind of interests me a little bit in this is the idea of meshing and in some in some locales like I, I, I think of you know all of these you know the foreign countries where they've had some you know some lack issues. some issues and you know yeah. they, they want to keep in communication with each other but even then it's that's still a, you know a, a, a high price tag you could buy a sat phone for this much money Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the sat phone, the sat phones have come down in price, but yeah. uh, of course their usage fees are a little, a little high. Well, yeah. Uh, they, they save it for an emergency. I mean, what are you doing with this? Are you talking about recipes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, yeah. it's a little odd. Did, did you see the artisanal slippers on QVC? I mean, it's really. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, man. I, again, it's trying to be special because it's, Full duplex. Everybody talks. Everybody hears. It's like being across a table from each other in in terms of the audio. Yeah, and, yeah but that's and all that. And but but two thousand feet. I mean, you only have to reach the next guy. You don't need the mesh. Yeah. If there's trouble, he's going to reach the next guy, and maybe exactly. somebody will have a, you know a cell phone. <laughs> exactly. There you go.
As for now, this is Benjamin Rockwell, and that's Marty Winston. Thank you, Benjamin, and thank you, Marty. Public service announcements. Computer club meetings in the New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut tri-state region. Log on to the club website for more information on remote meeting ID. Tech Ed Connect meets Thursday, February the 1st. Meeting time is 7 p.m., online virtual meeting via Zoom, and their website is wpcug.org. The Amateur Computer Group of New Jersey meets Friday, February the 2nd. Meeting time is 8 p.m., online virtual meeting via Jitsi, and their website is acgnj.org. The King's Byte Computer Club meets Tuesday, February the 13th. Meeting time is 7 p.m., and they meet at the Park Plaza Restaurant, located at 220 Cadman Plaza West in Brooklyn. The telephone number is 347-278-7320. The Brookdale Computer Users Group meets Thursday, February the 8th. Meeting time is 7 p.m., online virtual meeting via Zoom, and their website is bcug.com. The New York Amateur Computer Club meets Thursday, February the 8th. Meeting time is 7 p.m., online virtual meeting via Zoom, and the website is nyacc.org. The Long Island Macintosh Users Group will meet Friday, February the 9th. Meeting time is 7 p.m., online virtual meeting via Zoom, and their website is limac.org. Our website is pcradioshow.org. We are heard each Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on PRN, live streaming on the Internet. Podcasts of the program is available on prn.live on the Internet. If you have any questions for us, just send us an email addressed to hank at pcradioshow.org. In the meantime, stay in touch and remember to do regular backups. I'm Hank Key, and on behalf of Michael Horowitz, Benjamin Rockwell, and Marty Winston, we thank you for listening. Stay safe and healthy till we meet again, same time, same station, next week.